0: You're listening to the pops on hops podcast where we listen to some pops drink a little hops and i get to hang out with my pop i'm abigail hummel
1: and i'm barry hummel and we want to welcome you to episode 30 Today, Abigail got to pick the album, and I got to pick the brewery. Abigail, what will we be listening to today?
0: We listened to Lungs, which was the debut album from 2009 by Florence and the Machine. And I'm really interested to hear what you think about this album, because at the time that it came out, it was unlike anything I had ever heard before, and it still is sort of unique among the albums that I listened to in terms of its style. And it's a beautiful album, in my opinion, and I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on it.
1: Well, I'll start by saying that I liked it very much. I will say that I was familiar with one or two of the songs on the album. I think the opening track and the closing track were both songs that I'd heard. We've had the album for a long time because in 2011, we saw the U2 concert come through Miami Mm -hmm. and Florence and the Machine opened. And that was really the first time I had a big exposure to her and her music. And I found that set list from that show.
2: Oh, how cool. And
1: so I'll put a link to that in the show notes because a lot of the songs from this album, obviously, it was 2011. They only had, I think at the time, two albums. And so a lot of the songs from this album made an appearance on that set list. I remember just being blown away by her voice that night at the show and I found some old pictures I took from the concert oh, of her. Cool. <laughs> from our, we were in the nosebleed seats to say the least. We were. But they had a great set for that tour with the giant, what they call it, the claw and mm-hmm. the, the video screens were amazing. Mm-hmm. And I had some great pictures of her from that night. And I found another one from the Sun Sentinel because she had this flowing yellow dress on It was just so striking in the stadium. And it was kind of blowing in- the wind It was this willowy yellow Dress
0: Very much fits Her vibe Yeah
1: and so It was a really Good opening act I thought For that show And it turns out I had the album In my iTunes As seems to be A lot of the Albums (laughs) from this era But quite honestly I don't remember Playing it very much At all Even if I did When we first Got the album So it was kind Of all new to me Except for a couple Of the songs That probably Were played on Sirius on that Same Spectrum channel That I discovered Most of my new Music on anyway Now as far as The brewery today We are doing this At a place called Cypress and Grove. And the reason we picked that Is because it's Florence And The Machine And Cypress and Grove That's the only connection Between (laughs) the album And the brewery But this is a brewery In Gainesville Abigail, obviously Where you live Yep That we have been to before And it's a great building And a great space In Gainesville, Florida We're recording Obviously live on location today So you're going to hear Some talking in the background And some music in the background As tends to be the case When we do these things live But it's a really cool space And we really wanted to Draw some attention to it Here in Gainesville
0: Yeah, I love this spot In my opinion probably the coolest venue of any of the breweries we have in Gainesville. It's in an old ice factory. And the well that was used in the original ice production is still a functioning well. And as a matter of fact, if you want water at this brewery, you tap it from one of these giant steel kegs that comes directly from the well. So we have the opportunity to drink original Cypress and Grove well water today.
1: (laughs) Are we going to review it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, why not? I think a lot of their beers are probably made with the well water too. This is a really cool building and I, I really like it here. The brewery itself has been here since about 2017. So I was of legal drinking age. By the time this brewery opened, and so it's been a staple of my Gainesville beer drinking experience, and I'm glad we're finally getting to review it on the podcast. The other cool thing I wanted to bring up: the reason why you're in Gainesville, Dad, is we went to the Hogtown Craft Brewers Festival. That's right. Yesterday, so the Hogtown Homebrewing Club are the ones who organized that whole thing, and Cypress and Grover there. And as a matter of fact, they were the first people to pour us a beer when we walked into that's the right, festival. That's right. That's right. The first beer we had yesterday. Yesterday was Good Grove from Cypress and Grove, and th- it was a really nice start to the day, and it made me very excited to come back here today.
1: And the folks who poured it were dressed as two characters from Alice in Wonderland... And there's an interesting Alice in Wonderland uh, connection on one of these songs. So how about that? I didn't think about that until just now.
0: Yeah. Well, tell us about the first beer you've chosen. Well, I
1: picked a bunch of different categories today. Kind of a smattering of different styles for us to try. Neither of us has had any of these beers, so they're all brand new beers to us. In fact, the first one we're going to have is called Scarlet King. It's a brand new beer for the brewery itself. It's a red ale. Not a ton of information about it on Untappd for me to share with you. Just basically, it's under red ale, American amber. But a red ale... Basically, the colors derive from the use of caramel and crystal malt additions, which are roasted to provide amber beers with the color, body, and flavor that many beer fans have come to appreciate. And amber ales ferment at warmer temperatures for what is typically a much shorter amount of time than lager-style beers. So, interesting. The first one we're having is Scarlet King by Cypress and Grove, and cheers to that. Cheers. Now, it's not particularly red, it does look more like an amber, Mm -hmm. and it drinks very much like an amber ale. Mm -hmm. And we've had this conversation about brown ales, red ales, amber ales. The flavors are pretty consistent, beer to beer, there's not a wide range in flavor profiles on a red ale. This is a real good consistent amber to red ale. And I taste a little bit of caramel, maybe that's because I read the description and it's in my head, and there's a maltiness to it, a slight maltiness, it's not super sweet. So it's a real mellow drinking beer.
0: It's very mellow, very easy to drink. It's smooth, but it's not creamy. Yes. And
1: both of which your mouth feels, both
0: of <laughs> what your mouth feels, famously. <laughs> I do not get any caramel. I do get maltiness, but I really don't get any sweetness out of this. And maybe as it warms up, that'll start to come through more. So we'll check back in again when we go to rate the beer. But it's nice, it's easy to drink, and I'm enjoying it. I wanna say the when Cypress and Grove, they've sort of had an interesting evolution, at least in my perception. When they opened, they really, in my opinion, they did the standards. Their goal or what they produced was really make a quintessential version of the style. So they had a brown ale, they had a lager, they had a double IPA. You know, they had these styles and they didn't have fun names. They were just called double IPA lager (laughs) as they grew and they started really nailing the standards they've been able to sort of expand their use of interesting ingredients interesting flavors and they have done a lot more international styles over the past few years there's one on tap now that we've both had so we're not reviewing it called crane song which is a japanese style rice lager it actually happens to be one of my favorite basic easy drinking keep a 12 pack in the fridge because you know everyone will like it One of my favorite of that type of beer. And so, to me, this is standard. To me, this doesn't have a lot of extra pizzazz added. This is
1: just a a well-produced
0: standard, very good amber rut ale. And we have a couple of those basic... They're meant to represent the style well. We have a couple of those on our flight. And then we have a couple that are branching, so out, with, branching out with yeah. interesting flavors. And I'm excited to try both.
1: I've been here a couple times with you. And I think your assessment of that is correct. I remember when the board was very basic. Yeah, Just the names were very basic. Right. One of the first times I came in. And that's probably been, gosh, it's pre-pandemic. So it's at least two years ago. Yeah. And I could look that yeah. up. I probably rated beers that night on Untapped. But <laughs> I'm sure you did. I do remember the board being basic names. Yes. But, you know, people's taste they like to try different things, and right. so they obviously added the additional stuff to keep people coming in, keep people interested.
0: I think I cited Cypress and Grove on a previous podcast episode. We were talking about brown ales, and we did. you, you don't right. think there's much that can be done with a brown ale. One of their very first, quote-unquote, different things that they tried was they made a pecan brown ale. Right, I remember that. And I loved it. It is so good, and it's a seasonal beer, sure. so it's not on tap right now, but that's a really fantastic beer and one of the first ones that I noticed they were sort of branching out into different flavors in their beer so it's all good stuff here very cool Well, why don't I tell you a little more about the band and the album. So you correctly referenced that we had this in our shared iTunes account because I purchased this album and I purchased it pretty soon after it came out. Like I knew Florence and the Machine and I knew this album before we saw them in concert. We had heard the opening track of the album, Dog Days Are Over, which is definitely the most popular song from this album. It was one of the singles. There were six singles on this album. None of them really charted very well, but Dog Days Are Over was kind of all over the place. Interestingly, a lot of songs from this album have been used in TV show and movie soundtracks. So even though they weren't necessarily super popular in the general public, people recognize that these are very vibey, moody songs. And I don't mean moody in the sense of depressing. Every song evokes a mood. They put so much thought into the production of this album. Every little sound, every little blip and bloop in the song is meant to evoke an atmosphere and a mood. And I think they did a great job of that. So Florence and the Machine is primarily... Like the core people are two women, Florence Welch and Isabella Summers. And they were teenage friends and they started their musical collaboration in their teenage years. Isabella Summers' nickname is Machine. So she's the machine of Florence and the Machine. She's
1: the percussionist, right?
0: Uh, No, so Summers is keyboards. Okay. And she does backing vocals as well. They have a percussionist, a guitarist, a bassist, and a harpist.
1: Yes, which is very evident in a lot of the songs. Very evident. I can't tell you that I've heard another rock album that employs the harp
0: yes I agree and I remember a few years back an album came out that had an electric violinist, and I was blown away by that. We reviewed the Happy Fits album. There's an electric cellist. It's so interesting to me when those more orchestral instruments get used in a rock album. This was definitely one of the first albums I had ever heard that employed those types of string instruments primarily in every song. Not just one song has strings, you know, after they recorded they went and had people play (laughs) strings. This is built into the writing of the songs, and he's a Core part of the band. And Super interesting. And if I
1: can interject, yes. he plays it differently in different songs. So there, there's a song where it's obviously a harp and you go, oh my God, that's a harp. Because in some of the songs it comes off like mandolin. He's playing it so quickly mm. or picking mm-hmm. at it in a different way. And so it's not just straight up mellow harp music. Right. So that makes it very, right. very interesting because sometimes it reads as a different instrument than a harp. Right. Depending on how he plays it.
0: Yeah. So this is their debut album. This album was nominated for a Brit Award. It won Album of the Year. And the band, Florence and the Machine, has been nominated for a bunch of Grammys, so they have critical acclaim. Personally, I don't think they're as popular as they should be. (laughs) I want to make a
1: comment about the singles, because I think it's really important. The album did very, very well. It was on the charts for, I think it said in there, 50 weeks, plus or minus 5 weeks, and so none of the singles did incredibly well, but the album as a whole did well, and I think that's a reflection of the songs on this album. There's tempo changes in almost every song. You know, there's different movements within the song, Mm -hmm. so they're very hard to wrap your head around as singles Uh whereas as a collection of these songs on an album the the songs are very distinct so don't take this the wrong way but it reads almost like a one giant album because Uh there's an ebb and flow to every song which gives the album an ebb and flow that all works incredibly well together right so the other thing i want to point out too that i found interesting from a lyrical standpoint the name of the album is lungs Uh many of the songs in here Reference anatomical body parts over and over and over again. There's a couple of songs where the percussion track reads as heartbeat.
2: Mm -hmm. So
1: when I say it plays together as a unifying album and there's an ebb and flow to it, almost the entire album has a heartbeat.
2: Because of the way
1: It goes back and forth And so as a collection Of songs It plays very well As a unit Mm -hmm. But if you pick An individual track Out of that And try to play that On a radio As a single It's hard Remember we had The conversation About the Paul McCartney Song and how long It took me to Figure out that Band on the run Wasn't three different songs Yes Some of these songs Are like that Yeah The Paul McCartney song It's three really Distinct pieces These songs don't Qualify as that So much But the tempo shifts In the middle of the song Going back and forth Change it dramatically Within the i could see why it would be hard to buy an individual song as a single even though the album is selling incredibly well so in this circumstance i don't think the singles drove the album sales obviously I think the album sales were all based on the strength of the entire album. People found this album without need to buy the singles, is kind of the summary of that.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. And it goes back to your anxiety over, will we ever have albums in the future? I mean, this is an album, right? This you have to listen to from start to finish. To me, like this album is almost a self-contained fantasy novel. I mean, a lot of the themes of the songs are sort of fantastical. Obviously, the music itself is very fantastical. Her vibe the way she dresses, her hair. I mean, she's basically like a fairy queen, right? Right. Just looking at her.
1: It's like Renaissance Festival kind of vibe. Exactly,
0: exactly. And so it really is sort of a self-contained thing. It's hard to pick out any song from this album and just listen to it. I'm a person who does that with frequency. I'll pick a song and I'll put it on a playlist for a particular purpose. A driving playlist, a showering playlist, a working playlist. This is an album you have to listen to as an album. Yeah, I really appreciate it appreciate this album. Really love it. Really glad I was able to sort of revisit it when I was thinking about albums I would like to choose To assign To the podcast And
1: can't wait To talk about the songs Well let's get into that Let's get into the tracks then Let's do it Any other final comments About the album as a whole I think I got the two things I wanted to say in
0: You know we were talking About this whole Ebb and flow of the album thing I think it's sequenced Very well with one exception Which we'll get to But I'd be interested To go back and look At the set list Of the concert That we saw of hers And see the songs she chose And the order of those songs Given that this album Is so well sequenced And so self contained And you know we we just talked it's hard to pull a track out and listen to just that.
1: And do you know, have you listened to subsequent albums?
0: No, I haven't. Okay. I haven't listened
1: to anything. Okay, so that's the other interesting thing is when she put her set list together, if the subsequent albums are very similar in structure, you could see how any eight songs could kind of ebb and flow together if this is the style of all the songs on all the albums, right? If the uh, next album was radically different in some way, that would be very jarring to go back and forth in a concert. Venue. Right. So I imagine that this is what they do. I would it's, have to
0: imagine, yeah. given that they have a harpist on staff.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Although I've not listened to the future albums, I have looked at the album cover and I have looked at the album names and they're all kind of in the same vein yeah. like her immediate follow up to this was called Ceremonials and she's on the cover it, you know there's three of her duplicated and she's got the same hair and she's wearing the same kind of like big flowy dress so I, like I think this is them this is who they are this right? is a good representation of the band well and
1: fair enough because it is a unique sound so why would you tinker yeah. with something that is different enough to right. have attention drawn to right it, so alright well with that in mind let's start off our album uh, review track by Track and so the first track, which I think is a good opening track for the album, is the song Dog Days Are Over.
2: Happiness.
1: Going to be hard today because some songs start with a very long musical opening. This one is one of them that I had to cheat in order right. to get because I, the other thing I wanted to show you was kind of the tempo shifts, how it mm-hmm. builds in a crescendo fashion. Mm-hmm. And this particular song does that and then kind of goes back and restarts mm-hmm. that same sequence. And mm-hmm. so when I'm talking about the ebb and flow. This song is a great example of that in its entirety. But that kind of stuff is going to make it very hard to pick representative clips. Yeah. The opening of this is The Harpist mm-hmm. and he's in a very beautiful harp opening to the song that's fairly long. And in order to get to the lyrics, you kind of got to whack that out of there and not get to share that. So again, it is worth a listen this album because of that additional musical element. I like this song. It's not in my top three. There's a theme in here in a lot of the songs. Seems like a lot of uh, bad relationships or um, some violent relationships in Mm -hmm. some of these songs. And that Seems to be an overarching theme in this. Mm-hmm. Go back to the mention of the body parts, that's part of that. There's a lot of physicality to that. Yeah. And so some of the lyrics point in that direction, some worse than others. Right. So when you really get into the lyrics here, you realize they're very complicated songs, but they are written with a kind of, uh, you're talking about, you know, I jokingly said Renaissance fair approach to it. So not out and out metaphor, but very visual mm-hmm. imagery mm-hmm. throughout the lyrics mm-hmm. and a little bit of a vagueness to it so that you get to interpret that as you go through it. So I found that. writing interesting also you can definitely tell what the story is yeah but there's definitely a feel to each of the songs she changes the musical tempo back and forth to kind of reflect what's going on in the lyrics It's a very interesting Kind of songwriting Mm. And I understand She's not a musician Her Uh voice is her instrument Right Right. And as a result of that When she writes She doesn't write With a guitar Where she kind of Structures the song And then brings it To the group They build these things Around the lyrics Together as a group Uh And so you end up With these very Interesting song structures As a result of that Yeah Really interesting So it's a great Opening track And it reflects Everything that's going To happen in the album Right It starts off slow It builds It goes back down It builds again Right Breaks in the song Just completely stop and start it back over again really fun to listen to
0: this is not in my top three it's also not my least favorite but frankly i'm a little sick of this song this is the most popular one on the album and i've heard it so much (laughs) that i've gotten a little tired of it but i agree with you that it is a fantastic opening track i mean it tells you exactly what you need to know about the album and i agree with you that her songwriting is very visual i mean we've talked before about you have come to songs or to albums based on music videos in some cases that you saw on MTV. And for me, this album, every song is kind of like a music video. The soundscape they create and the visual lyrics create a little video in your head but if you tried to actually film a video for these songs it would completely fall flat in my opinion. The images in my brain when I listen to these songs there's no way to actually capture that in reality. They're so fantastical and they're so ethereal and sometimes it's just like a splash of color here a light shining over here. You can't capture that in a music video. Listening to this album really is a total sensory experience because I see those things in my head as I'm listening even though they're not really clear, distinct images that you could put on a piece of film.
1: That's what I was saying about the way the songs are written. There's a vagueness about the lyrics that allow you to build those images in your head. Now, I read somewhere that all six singles have a music video attached. I did not go and watch any of them. I
0: wouldn't want to.
1: So the music video for these might take away... From the song mm-hmm. For an artist like this mm-hmm. But I am going to go back And watch those And put links in the show notes Just to see what that's about Because I didn't have any idea Until I started reading About the band That mm-hmm. there was even Music videos of these things Because again Where do you watch Music videos now Like what we're YouTube. talking Exactly These things are being made And put on YouTube As promotional materials for the songs and the singles, but I would have to go seek that out. Right. I don't watch music videos anymore. Right. It's not like I put a channel and just sit there and be numb and watch. I have to put the effort in. Yeah. So for most of these music videos that I've seen, I've watched more music videos since we started this project than I had in 20 (laughs) years because I've gone back and pulled some of that stuff out. So yeah, good song great way to open the album really sets the table for what the whole album is going to be about uh-huh. so that takes us to the second track which is uh, happens to be one of the singles by the way the three of the singles were released up to a year before the album came out like the very first single was a year before the album came out wow. this was one of the singles that was released before the album release and that's the song rabbit heart raise it up <laughs> So again, I, a little on the long side on the clip to try to get some of the shifts in tone and tempo throughout the song. This is the one I was talking about earlier that the lyrics I picked are for specific reason. The looking glass, so shiny and new, how quickly the glamour fades. I start spinning, slipping out of time. Was that the wrong pill to take? This is exactly references to Alice in Wonderland. And uh, you know, then the next thing says, here I am, a rabbit hearted girl. So I'm already thinking the white rabbit, right? Yeah. Because I couldn't figure out from the title, rabbit heart, what's that about? You're talking about how it takes you to a different different time and place. Mm -hmm. And she lifted imagery from the Alice in Wonderland stories to get you there without really saying that. It's just a word here, a thing there that kind of brings you to that place. And so then all of a sudden the rabbit heart makes sense. I'm a rabbit hearted girl. Now I feel like she's telling a love story or a relationship story through that imagery. You know, I hear rabbit heart, I think fast heartbeat, I think physical attraction to somebody else. But I really liked the writing of that. It took me to a very specific place because I started thinking about Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. And that's what's so funny when you said yesterday the two folks from Cypress and Grove that handed us the beer were dressed as the Mad Hatter <laughs> yeah. and the White Rabbit, right? Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah.
0: This is a great example of what I was talking about, creating the soundscape of the imagery behind the lyrics. And It starts off with the plinking keyboards and the drums only, and then it really swells. It's almost wall of sound-ish, but you can pick out the individual instruments, but it's a big Big sound that gets there slowly. it gets, slowly. Of... Yes. It gets yes. like
1: it. It gets there. Yes. All the instruments kind of layer in to build that wall of sound, Mm -hmm. which is why I think you can pick out the individual instruments because they're kind of introduced one by one through the song. Right. It's Mm -hmm. really fun.
0: This song to me is a song about bravery, not necessarily about a relationship, but just in general. I interpreted the rabbit heart as, what do I know about rabbits? They're very small. Their heart beats very, very fast. To me, that's anxiety. That's nervousness. She's a rabbit hearted girl. She's scared of whatever. Later in the song, she says, I must become a lion hearted girl lions are brave they have right. fortitude they chase their prey and they are calm the whole time they're just braver animals than rabbits and so to me this was a story of a girl growing into her bravery and not necessarily about relationship or a love interest or, or anything it's just her coming of age
1: it's sort of like going from being the prey to the predator
0: right exactly i
1: think the main reason i kept thinking about it as a relationship song is this one line this is a gift it comes with a price who is the lamb And who is the knife hmm. Again I, In every song There's Talking about the physicality Of mm-hmm. it And a lot of Not evidence of abuse But things that make you think About an abusive relationship And so you can throw that layer on this Going from being the prey Mm -hmm. To the predator Mm -hmm. And that may be a change in the relationship And that line made me think of that And the physical abuse element pops up from time to time Sometimes really obviously Sometimes a little more subtle like this But I feel like it's in almost every song
0: Hmm. That's so interesting because I interpret that more As being about a deity Because it's very much like animal sacrifice imagery right? She's talking earlier about We raise it up this offering Is it enough? She's in my head bargaining with a deity more so than someone she's... I mean, you're in a relationship with your deity, theoretically, right? But not necessarily someone she's in a romantic relationship with, but someone she's in more of a parental relationship than a romantic relationship, right? Right. I have to make this Sacrifice. Who's the lamb? Who's the knife? I'm killing a lamb for you. This is an offering.
1: Right. And see, I'm saying that she's allowing the abuse to continue. That's the sacrifice Mm -hmm. that comes with a price. And to be in this relationship, I have to take some of these things on the chin. Mm -hmm. And that's not just in this song, it's in others. Mm -hmm. And so maybe I'm over reading this particular song because of that, but I feel like it fits a pattern of a lot of the songs on the album. Mm -hmm. You know, some that are filled with violence. Yes. And some it's a little more True. subtle like this one, going from being fearful to fearless mm-hmm. or trying to get out of a bad relationship. Becoming lionhearted might be walking away from a mm-hmm. relationship that's not so good. You know, the Alice in Wonderland story is interesting because if you think about what happens to Alice in Wonderland, it's all abusive. Yeah. She's not treated well in Wonderland. Right, <laughs>
0: right, right. And
1: so that plays into it a little bit too. So I'm going to head on now to track three, which is uh, called I'm Not Calling You a Liar.
2: I'm not calling you a liar Just don't lie to me I'm not calling you a thief Just don't steal from me I'm not calling you a ghost Just stop haunting me And I love you so much I'm gonna let
1: So this one's a little bit of a slow burn. I played a, a long clip. It doesn't really pick up in tempo very much. This is one of the first songs that has a lot of body part references. Mm-hmm. In it. She mentions lungs. She mentions legs. She mentions her tongue, feet, all mm-hmm. in that one paragraph that I played. Yeah. But I think the crux of the song, and it goes back to the general theme I'm having with the entire album. There's a line in that that I played, and I love you so much, I'm going to let you kill me. Yeah. I love you so much, I'm going to let you kill me. Yeah. Is to me the theme of a lot of this album
2: Yeah, that's that.
1: Yeah. She's in these relationships where she's on the bad end of it and allowing it to happen and accepting of that. Very complicated songs about that. With this wispy imagery and the wispy music and all that, there's some really dark stories being told on this album.
0: Yeah, I think you picked a great clip. This is my second favorite song on the album. Oh, wow. And the top three that I chose, I couldn't tell you if this was the reason these ended up being my favorites, but towards the end of this song, she starts not finishing the lines She'll start singing and then she'll cut off in the middle of a sentence and just do some wordless vocalization. She'll repeat words and lines and that occurs in the other two songs I picked as well because it just sounds like she's getting so emotionally lost in what she's saying that she can't even speak anymore. She can't think anymore and that's written into the lyrics and it's built into her performance and that is what I love so much about her performance on this album is how emotionally invested she is in what she singing yes i mean she really feels what she's singing and i would have picked probably the same clip i might have gone a little further into the chorus but you really captured the fact that she's sort of in a situation that's outside of her control there's a ghost in her lungs she's possessed by something who controls everything else about her the ghost wraps itself around her tongue and makes her talk controls what she says controls her legs so that she's falling at this person's feet person presumably who is abusing her she is possessed by something love or lust or this person you know whatever it is and even with all that when this person kisses her she's happy enough to die. It's just such a complicated grouping of feelings to have about a person. right? Especially because she recognizes that she's outside of her control. That's exactly what she's saying here. She's saying, I am not in control here. So yeah, I think this song is beautiful.
1: And the vocal performance is interesting because this is a good example. So when she's singing softly, her voice is powerful. And when she belts it out, her voice is powerful. It's really interesting. You know, Some artists can't do both well. That's true. It's a subtle thing, but it's an interesting thing to be able to softly with such emotional power and conviction in your voice.
0: Yes, completely agree. And I will say, I've seen her on TikTok. She'll just be sitting and singing with no musical accompaniment, and her voice is not distorted at all. You know, There's no production behind it. She's just singing, and she still sounds amazing. And then on this album, there's a lot of production. She sounds ethereal, kind of fuzzy, whatever they're doing to her voice to make it sound fuzzy. And that sounds good, too. So she has such an incredible range. I'm not talking about a note range although she has that too i'm talking about a style and a vibe range she has that as well so if she chose to do punk rock she chose to sing a pretender song for example she could do it she would be fantastic at it
1: well oddly enough we may have an example of that later on the album
0: what wait
1: what (laughs) did you foreshadow something that we both thought i thought i had a unique uh, observation all on my own (laughs) damn
0: it Damn
1: it! So that's three songs. What do you say we rate this beer and pace let's, ourselves nicely? Let's
0: do that. I think
1: we've decided that we have thirteen songs. We have to have at least three between drinks.
0: I'm almost done with this I one. I see that. I've been savoring this to,
1: to get down to the bottom for my rating.
0: So it maybe did get a little sweeter as it warmed up. It's malty in the sense that it's bready. Yes. But it's not a sweet type of maltiness. I agree. Don't get any caramel still, but that's okay. It's still very easy to drink, clearly. I drink it very fast and smooth. Does not linger super long on the palate. And I am going to give this a 3.5.
1: And I am going to give it a (laughs) 3.75. Very I think nice. it's a very good entry in the category. Again, it's not one of my favorite categories just because I'm never surprised by it. Right. You know, unless it's in a bad way. Okay. If somebody does it poorly. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> but if they've done it well, I probably rate most red ales in the same window. And if there's a little bit of a surprise to it, I would push it to a four. I never go below a three and a half on a red ale. I mean, I have a very tight range on these beers. This is a very smooth, easy to drink beer. So yeah, a 3.75 for me please
0: noted noted and recorded all right what's the next one the
1: next one is called well and good
0: and that is a reference to To the well Well. yes yes and it also
1: (laughs) has an ampersand i believe in the actual name
0: yeah i think that's right
1: i would have assumed this was one of their earliest beers with the uh, word well in it and the ampersand but i haven't had it before so i'm
0: pretty certain that any ipa they released before 2018 would have just been called IPA. (laughs) That's true. Or double IPA. (laughs) You you, you raise a good
1: point. So this one is classified as an American IPA. Most American IPAs use American hops, is why they become American IPAs.
0: Like strains that were cultivated in America.
1: Characterized by floral, fruity, citrus-like, piney, or resinous American variety hop character, the IPA beer style is all about hop flavor, aroma, and bitterness.
0: Is there anything on top about the beer itself? Itself?
1: No, they don't have a lot of their descriptions on here. Oh, okay. It's very basic. It says, a West Coast IPA with aromas of tropical fruit, citrus, and pine. All
0: right. Cheers. Well, gosh darn. I am surprised by how much I like
1: that. Yeah. I'm surprised by how much you like it too. I'll tell you what. So they say it's a West Coast style IPA. It does not have the dry your mouth out. No way. What did Jack say? Rip your face off. Yeah. Jack Cornell on his episode said rip your face off with the IPA. And it's not like that. No. It's it's got a mellow finish. Very mellow. It's a very simple hoppy flavor. So I wonder if it's just limited to one hop strain or something like that.
0: I'm so blown away by this one. First of all, looking at it. It's, it's very, very clear. clear. It's very clear. Very clear. And maybe a little more golden than most IPAs I've seen. It's kind of got a darker, orangier color to it.
1: Yeah, a little bit. I would call it golden, but I see what you're saying. But the clarity is amazing, right? Yeah, it's super because cool. of... Like I
0: can see my fingers yeah. through the glass yeah. perfectly clearly. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, gosh, I, I don't even know how to vocalize how much I'm enjoying this. I'm not, as our listeners know, not really an IPA gal. Juicy, hazy IPAs are better because... They tend to be a little smoother. The citrus... Or the other juices that they add in the brewing process cut the bitterness of the hops, and the hops don't linger as long on the tongue. West Coast IPAs, sort of the whole point is, yes, how hoppy can we get this, right? right? But this is very well balanced. I think "balanced" is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, that's a good word. I taste tropical, citrusy flavors. Don't get much pine. But what I'm really impressed with is that it leaves your tongue pretty quickly. I mean, yeah, I'm not yeah, getting, yeah. I'm not getting a ton of bitterness up front, and I'm certainly not getting a long lingering bitter finish and frankly this is very smooth and easy to drink for an IPA like I, I would sit and drink this you know I would drink a whole can of this and not as well oh, I'm tasting this for untapped I would sit and drink this because I like it yeah and it's an IPA and I have a feeling it would be a crowd-pleasing IPA so wow I am just
1: I'm blown away by this so my go-to IPA at home is Hop Gun by Funky Buddha
0: Of course it is. And this is similar to that. (laughs) This is one
1: of the ones you would put in your fridge. You'd be able to drink them pretty easily in that category. But it tastes like a beer. It's a beer drinker's beer, right?
0: And it's so tied to this brewery with the name and this building with the name that it's special in that way, too. This is fantastic. Excellent. It's going to be highly rated by me. Let's
1: savor that while we move on to the next song. So the next track is track four. And the title is the simple single word. How? H O W L, not H O W. How? How? So this is another one in this prey a predator theme we have going on right yeah. this is the opening line of this is if you could only see the beast you've made of me mm-hmm. again does it a woman responding to an abusive relationship and finally trying to take control. And in this one, it's kind of violent control. It's almost a werewolf imagery, right? Mm, Going back mm-hmm. to your thing about the Renaissance fair motif, the, the oh. kind of visual imagery. This one's sort of a werewolf story. Mm-hmm. And again, lots of body parts get mentioned in here. She talks, she drags my teeth across your chest to taste your beating heart. Three body parts in one sentence right yeah. there, right? My fingers claw your skin. Going back to that kind of thematic thing with the album title lungs and so i really like this i like the overall tempo this the tribal percussion drives the whole song the whole time so this isn't the top half the album for me i really like the imagery i like the writing on it and i like the musical tempo and that beat in the back so great song
0: this is my favorite on the album
1: how about that this
0: is one of the only ones that is really really heavily driven by the percussion i mean this is a heavy heavy percussion song you said tribal percussion i think that's accurate it does feel almost heartbeat-ish at times and she does that thing again where she gets so much emotion in her voice the chorus is her repeating the word howl in different emotional ways different notes different lengths It's kind of funny. It almost reminds me of (laughs) there's that stereotype of actors rehearsing a line and putting emphasis on each word of the sentence differently. Like if I had a flight of beer and I were to say, I like this flight of beer, the stereotype of an actor would be, I like this flight of beer. I like this flight of beer. I like this flight of beer. She's almost doing that by saying howl in all these different ways, and she's putting different emphasis, even though it's one word, she's changing the word every time she says it. She's not saying howl, 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 howl. She's saying howl, 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 howl. You know, she's she's making it different every time.
1: It's the entire chorus, though. She's made the entire chorus out of a single word.
0: Right. And it's so simple, but it's Fascinating, and she sounds beautiful. The percussion is fantastic. Yeah, is so my
1: kind of driving keyboards on that too when she's doing that with the keyboard on in the background, mm-hmm. which has not become I don't want to say cliche for a horror movie. Kind of sound Yeah But when you hear that You think that And so in the context Of a quote unquote Werewolf song To have that Musical motif With the kind of Screeching keyboards In the background Mm -hmm. Is really interesting to me
0: And you're right The lyrics on all of them Are dark But this is one of the More musically Darker songs In my opinion Yeah the
1: music's dark too The music
0: is dark In this one Compared to the other ones Where the music is Light Floaty Ethereal This one is really Heavy Driving And darker It's just different and interesting and i love it
1: i do want to point out we're in a working brewery where they're now moving <laughs> kegs around and i'm not going to be able to remove that from the background I and kinda so like it though. it's hard to time when we're speaking around the banging of kegs please enjoy from the comfort of your own home
0: <laughs> or at a brewery of your choice at, at a, a brewery working of brewery of
1: your choice absolutely we encourage it in fact we encourage you to listen to these episodes while having a beer at your local craft brewery where you can hear our kegs banging and their kegs banging simultaneously. Yes,
0: yeah, support your local craft brewery.
1: Now wanna move on to track five, and that's the song Kiss with a Fist.
2: You hit me once, I hit you back, you gave a kick, I gave a slap, you smashed a plate over my head, then I set fire to our bed. You hit- once I hit you back, you gave a kick I gave a slap, you smashed a plate over my head Then I set fire to our Oh, my black eye casts no shadow Your red I sees no blame Your slaps don't stick, your kicks don't hit So we remain the same elastic. sweat drips, break the lock if it don't fit A kick in the teeth is good for some A kiss with a fist is better
1: So, this is my favorite song on the album. Get out! I think musically, it's super cool. It is. But I hear nothing but the pretenders when I hear this.
0: You know what? Yeah.
1: This sounds exactly like tracks from- You're absolutely right. So I went right. and did a little digging on this. So this is the oldest song on the album. Kind of her earlier incarnations, she paired up with a guy, and they did. They, they described it as a rap style hmm. act, and this was one of their songs. And I think it was called something like the Happy Slap.
0: Yes, does that it sound was. right? Yeah.
1: And so it got re-engineered for this particular album. This was the first single they released oh a year God, before the album, choice. so it's the first song out of the gate. And in that era, when she was exploring what did she want to be musically, there was punk influences on some of her earlier huh. work, and so this. Absolutely sounds to me like classic old pretenders.
0: I mean, you're right. And
1: we can only thank your Uncle Todd for introducing (laughs) us to that album to make that connection, right? Because otherwise we might not have made that connection.
0: You're so right, though. Her voice sounds very much like Chrissy Hines' voice. Yes. The lyrics, violent, aggressive, but fast paced, upbeat, and frankly cheerful sounding music
1: yes this is one of the most violent songs on the record with the most cheerful sounding music on yes. the record right
0: and sort of more traditional instrumentation right the harps aren't on this one nope the ethereal keyboard's not on this one it's guitar and percussion and her voice
1: They really worked out what they were going to be in the production of their first album. Mm -hmm. So this is an earliest song that she's reworking. The harpist may not have been part of the band at the point that they were doing this as they were deciding what they were going to be musically. So it's a little bit of an outlier on the album in that way. Yes. But when I marked this off, I put three stars next to it the first time I listened to the album, and it's never moved out of my favorite song on the album. Yeah. The first time I was listening to it, it was in a car, actually. So I put it in, I was listening to it. And this is the fifth song on the album. The other ones are kind of ethereal and interesting and moody and all that stuff we've been talking about. And then this thing kicks up And I'm like, whoa, baby, I was driving too fast. (laughs) And I was like, oh, put this on my driving song list. I had an instant reaction to it. Now, would I've had that kind of reaction on my first pass of the album if I wasn't sitting in the car, which is an interesting thing. That one jumped out at me because I was driving and it just was perfect for driving. But it didn't move around. Some of the other ones on here I didn't mark off the first time through are in my top three now. Ah. But this one, from start to finish, has been my favorite song on the album and that Pretender's Connection was probably one of the reasons. I wasn't too far off the mark given their earlier musical history and some of the things they explored right with that other uh, yeah. i forget the name of the band ashok ashok right so That's i actually right.
0: have that song if you want me to play a little bit of it why
1: absolutely
0: okay so this is happy slap by ashok and this is off their album called plans you hit me once i
2: hit you
1: played the exact same section. Yes.
0: Way faster, hey? And I think this song sounds a lot more like the other Florence and the Machine songs than Kiss with a Fist ended up sounding. This has some plinky keyboards, some ethereality to it, and... Kiss with a Fist that it ended up becoming does not. So that is fascinating well, to me. The
1: performance is more. No, nah, I don't want to say it's spoken word on that thing you just played, but it's much more. Well,
0: it's faster. It's faster, it's, but and no, I agree with you. It's more one note. I mean, it does sound like she's speaking. It's less melodic.
1: Yeah. Well, they said rap was one of the influences on that particular band. Let's just, for the record, say we're glad Ashok went the way of the dustbin.
0: Oh, you didn't like that?
1: I prefer what we are reviewing to that.
0: <laughs> Interesting. So if I that w- I'd go listen to more Ashok.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Okay. So that is Kiss With a Fist. Again, that was my favorite, even though the lyrics are incredibly dark. Now we're going to move on to track number six, Girl With One Eye. She
2: told me not to step on the cracks. I told her not to fuss and relax. Pretty little things Stuck me in my tracks But now she sleeps With one eye open But that's the price She'll pay I took a knife And cut out her arm I took it home And watched it And I Well, She's With one eye open
0: But that's the price you pay.
1: I don't like this song.
0: I think you're crazy. This is
1: my least favorite on the album.
0: This is my third favorite on the album.
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs> I think the vocal performance is interesting. Yeah. It's kind of sparse instrumentally. Yeah. It tells a very, very disturbing story. And again, talking about abusive relationships, right? I took a knife and cut out her eye. I took it home and watched it wither and die. Pretty disturbing. And now she sleeps with one eye open. Is that the socket? Oh, no, it's her other eye. (laughs) Is that her other eye? (laughs) And then there's a line. I didn't play this line. I slipped my hand under her skirt. I said, don't worry, it's not going to hurt. So, it's like a rape fantasy thing going on, but it's two women, theoretically, right? It's a woman singing it about another woman. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I can wrap my head around that she's singing from a male point of view, let's just no, assume. No, I don't think so. And so, like an abusive lesbian relationship. There's, there's a lot of elements in here that didn't do anything for me. I don't skip songs, so I never skip it, but... If I was going to skip a song in this album, this would be the one I would skip. It huh. kind of takes me out of the album. And it's interesting coming out of Kiss With a Fist. In this one, the person's writing from the point of view of the abuser. And so instead of it being a song about a woman who's struggling with being abused and trying to justify staying in a relationship or got the strength or the courage to get out of the relationship, this is the only song on the album that's written from the other point of view of the abuser. And that bothers me too. So it's a complicated song, but I just it does nothing for me.
0: So I did not interpret this song as her singing about someone she's in a relationship with. My interpretation was they were fighting over someone they were both romantically interested in, a third party. And most of that is get your filthy fingers out of my pie, get your hands off my man. She's frankly trying to murder this woman so that the other woman doesn't take her partner. So I don't think it has anything to do with a romantic relationship. I think they're fighting over a third party. I don't find these lyrics any more disturbing than Kiss with a Fist. They're both very dark and both very violent.
1: Totally agree. Because I thought it was about a relationship and that the one line about I slipped my hand under her skirt. If it's two women fighting over a third party man, that's a weird line.
0: Yeah, I don't really have an interpretation for that Yeah, so that
1: was the one that made me think it was... But
0: the eye thing, it's like, if you don't have an eye, you can't look at my man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't have your eyes on what doesn't belong to you. Right. I mean, that's how I interpreted this song. It's my third favorite because, as you said, it's sparse musically. The guitar is sliding between notes, which I think is a very cool sound. It sounds like the drummer used, you know, those metal fans? Brushes Brushes Brushes. Yeah Yeah. So it's a brushing Sound of the drum Which I think is Very cool Yes It's very jazzy To me this sounds Like she's singing Like she's a lounge singer You know She could be singing This at like a club
1: Yeah torch singer
0: very sultry. I love the slower tempo of it, but it really picks up towards the end. And then she's almost screaming. Get yes. your filthy fingers out of my pipe. It's the heightened emotions, the boldness and the loudness that she sort of comes into at the end of the song. I just think this is super, super captivating from start to finish. And that's why it's my third favorite.
1: How about that? Yeah, I had a, just a real negative reaction to it. I marked it down as my least favorite strange. first time I heard it. Maybe it's because it is so sparse musically for most of it. That's different on this album. And it's not the tempo, by the way, because you're right. The tempo picks up and the music picks up a little bit more toward the end. So it's not like it's just an out-and-out out slow song and we're... Oh, it's Mary's least favorite slow song on this album. That's not the reason. No, no.
0: Well, and there are slower songs yeah. that we'll get to. You'll notice the three songs I picked as my three favorite are all very different. Two of them have that sort of ethereal quality to them, but one is darker musically one's lighter musically and then this one's sort of completely different from those two so some of the songs like you said they blend together it feels like a cohesive album i have probably four fourth favorites and that's because they all sound similar enough to each other that none of them stand out above the rest but as you're listening
1: to the whole album uh, sometimes you get lost in it because they yeah. do sound very similar musically. So that's uh, we finished track six, so I think it's time to rate our current selection of beer called Well and Good. This is an American IPA that both of us had an initial great impression of, and it hasn't changed for me.
0: Yeah, no, we're kind of whipping through these discussions. These haven't warmed up too terribly much. No, no, no. But I still really enjoy this beer. This is a very highly rated IPA for me. I'm going to give it a 3.75. Whoa! And I would have to go back into the archives, the untapped archives, to tell you if I've ever rated a West Coast IPA that highly before, but I don't think I ever have.
1: If they're traditional West Coast IPAs with a long aftertaste, yeah. no, the is no. no. <laughs> the is if-
0: no, and I've given several ratings below 3.0, which, as we know, is my baseline for I would drink it again. So to give this a 3.75, that is extremely high praise.
1: I'm going to give it a 4 for all the same reasons we talked about and again my sort of have it in the house for people beer is hop gun by funky buddha if i was in town here it would probably be this one
0: yeah and so this is another example of this is the style they just made a basic standard west coast ipa and they did a fantastic job so we've gotten now through a standard red to amber ale and a standard west coast ipa and both were great so now this next one is something a little funkier so tell us about that
1: so the the next one's called Lost in Oz. As in Wizard of Oz. Another
0: ethereal, yeah. fantastical. Well, we have the Scarlet King. Yes, like the Red Queen. Like the Red Scarlet Queen. Scarlet King. We have
1: Lost in Oz. Yeah. And, and that was accidental, by the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Take credit for it. Oh, <laughs> Everything yes. is intentional, I'm always. I <laughs> looked at that board
1: and I thought long and hard about all the beer names <laughs> that I could fit into the things I was going to talk about on the album. But Lost in Oz is a hazy double IPA. You know how I
0: feel about double.
1: The word double does appear in it. (laughs) There's no description of the beer itself on Untapped, but... It's on the
0: board. I should go get that for you. That's okay.
1: This is a New England or hazy IPA is the style category. They're characterized by juicy citrus and floral flavors with a more subtle and less piney hop taste than... Typical IPAs. They have a smooth consistency or mouthfeel. Uh-oh. And a hazy appearance.
0: I can't believe you just said mouthfeel. Unbelievable.
1: I apologize again (laughs) for the use of the word mouthfeel. But they said a smooth mouthfeel. So they're using the adjective. So We'll allow it. We will allow that.
0: Well... I went and looked at the board to give you a little more information about this particular hazy IPA, Lost in Oz, and I would like to propose to you that maybe Oz is a reference to the fact that this contains all Australian hops. Oh,
1: cool. So we're Lost in
0: Oz, O A-U-S.
1: Okay, but that's not how it's spelled. It's spelled (laughs) O-Z.
0: No, you're right. (laughs) Juicy passion fruit citrus. So now, I don't know if that means they added passion fruit and citrus or if that's just the flavors we're meant to get from the hops. You know,
1: are you getting something like passion fruit, yeah, I have to believe that you've added the fruit. There are hops that definitely impart citrus qualities or grapefruit qualities. The hops <sighs> itself can impart some fruity flavors, but passion fruit seems like a very extremely specific fruit to say, oh, it tastes like passion fruit because of the hops. That's an odd pick to me.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, think, so, I think you're probably right. Oh, passion fruit is a specific flavor that would lead me to believe there's passion fruit in here, but let's give it a taste and see.
1: Oh my goodness. That is really good.
0: Oh, I mean, Wow. Okay. okay. So I definitely taste passion fruit.
1: Absolutely.
0: But it's not the sour parts of passion fruit. No, no, no. So I think of passion fruit, the defining characteristic I think of passion fruit is how sour it is. But this tastes like passion fruit with no sourness at all. In You're,
1: fact, uh, on the sweet side, yeah, the whole beer say, is on the sweet side. It's
0: fairly sweet. Passion fruit first, tops second, but they don't linger. They don't no. linger at all. no. They just kind of come and go. And it is, I mean, it is very juicy. Doesn't drink like a double. It doesn't drink like a double. Certainly not. I'm going to pitch a new mouthfeel description to you. What? How do you feel about the mouthfeel description round?
1: Round? (laughs) Yeah.
0: How about pillowy? (laughs) Pillowy. It's a soft mouthfeel, but it's not creamy. No, it's not. So how would you describe it? Soft. Soft. Pillowy, round.
1: I, I don't understand the round. Round is a shape. Eh,
0: maybe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the shape of beer.
0: This one tastes triangular.
1: This one tastes like a dodecahedron.
0: That's really good. That's, that's really, really good. good beer.
1: Boy, oh boy, that's a good one. Oh dear. I don't understand this description of it being a double because it's only a 5.1% ABV. No, it's 7.8. It's 7.8%, so an untapped has it wrong, right? You, you know, know what? Untapped. <laughs> <laughs> but only if you get this stuff right untapped
0: well I was gonna, even if you don't sponsor us you could hire us and we could clean up some of this nonsense
1: know, this is crazy
0: <laughs> this is crazy your information's wrong
1: should we get back to the album let's do it all right so we're in the back half of the album now we're going to go with track seven drumming song
0: You really got right into it with that clip, huh?
1: Well, I picked that clip for a couple of different reasons. The first one is, in the way you're picking clips for this album, you never get to where she busts out. A lot of the songs escalate to yes. that point. Yeah. And we never get there in a lot of the clips we pick because of the nature of the songs. You're trying to fit a well, lot in, the right? The clips you pick. The clips I picked, yes. <laughs> I, I may have
0: picked different clips. Listen, <laughs> we understand
1: that. This is Pops on Hops, where no one is whoa, 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 whoa. safe. For God's sake, give me a break. Pick some clips. Clubhouse. So this is called drumming song, and I wanted to get also okay. to the, the again kind of a tribal rhythm. But the section I picked specifically is to accentuate what sounds to me like a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Thum 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 thum. Mm-hmm in that particular section. And the song goes a little bit quiet, so it's very obvious that's what's going on. So this song, she's saying there's a drumming noise inside my head that starts when you're around. I swear that you could hear it and it makes such an almighty sound. A drumming noise inside somebody's head is basically your pulse. Right. And so it got me thinking about that. And then obviously when the heartbeat comes up in the section that I played, it's clear that some of the things she's describing are as a result of increased blood pressure, increased Hmm. heart rate. Anxiety, tension, whatever it is, leading to that, which is kind of the background of the song. The other thing that's interesting about this was this was the first song that really had overall positive lyrics. Yeah. Again, I go back to that thing: if she's in the room with somebody that she wants to have a relationship with, or she's in a relationship with, and the increased heart rate and the, can't you hear it too? Mm-hmm. The drumming inside my head, mm-hmm. heart's all a flutter, whatever. Right. And again, a lot more. We talk about anatomical body part references in the section I played. She uses the word feet head, heart, all in the same paragraph. And she does that a lot throughout the album, which makes that album title stand out to me, like Mm -hmm. I said before. So this is my third favorite song on the album. Good choice. Incrementally, I have really a 3A because I really, I waited till this morning to decide which of those two songs I was going to make number three. Oh wow, okay. And I think I went with this one ultimately because I really like that musical motif of that heartbeat.
0: Yeah, it's a great choice and I really like the clip you picked because this is the first time we've gotten to hear sort of that emotional and musical build towards the end of the song. I mean, the clip you played was entirely Wall of Sound. It's the drums, it's her voice, it's everything coming together and it's loud and it's powerful and it's emotional. So I love the clip you picked. Weirdly enough, I'm now reading the lyric sheet you have printed out i was totally mishearing one of these lines so the chorus or the i guess this is a pre-chorus right well anyway whatever it is (laughs) as i move my feet towards your body for the longest time i heard that line as there's a rumor thief
1: (laughs) towards your body
0: yeah i don't know but anyway (laughs) we'll ignore that part but i have been singing my entire time listening to this album i've been singing that line as there's a room Murph. Thief. <laughs> And like, what does that mean? There's a rumor thief, but like, know. that's a more interesting line than "as I move my feet."
1: You should write that on your hand and go home and write a song around that. There's a rumor thief. <laughs> There's a rumor thief. Like,
0: what does that even mean? But
1: that's funny. The best songwriters <laughs> it starts with a single fun. You're like, what does that mean? Let me so tell an entire story.
0: Strange. Well, and the rest of the songs on the album have a more positive spin to them.
1: Yeah, they're not as dark. I think the last song is the most positive song on the album. Right?
0: If you're referring to to her romantic status, there's one coming up, My Boy Builds Coffin. She already has she has the boy. She's talking about him. So if you're talking about her romantic status, there's really kind of a hard shift in the album where now she's either leading towards a positive relationship or she's in a positive relationship.
1: Yeah, the abuse elements are not yeah. no longer present from this point forward.
0: And all your four favorites, one, two, three, and three A are in this section of the album. So that's that's interesting to me, right?
1: Yeah. Two, three, and 3A. Three what I was number given one? It, number one was Kiss With a Fist. Oh, yeah, you're right. Right.
0: Never mind. I take it all back.
1: But two of my three, top three are on the, from here on, and the next one that we're going to talk about is my 3A. Mm-hmm. And the driving drum beat in the previous song I found very interesting. And then to be able to use the drum as an element of the storytelling right. was very, very cool to me. Right. So I gave it the edge for that reason. So let's move on to the next track, track eight. It's called Between Two Lungs.
2: Between two lungs. It was released The breath that counts
1: So this was my 3a because of the musicality of it you know it's, it's so a very pretty. it's a very pretty song it's very interesting the starts and stops the plunking on the harp in this particular yeah. song the tempo shift you know going from the verse to the chorus is really interesting tons of anatomical references again. In the part I played, you hear lungs, but later on in the song, there's feet, there's mouth, head to toe down at the bottom, but the whole thing focuses on this breath Mm -hmm. and this exchange of breath. Mm -hmm. When I first read the title, I was thinking, well, what sits between two lungs? Your heart. heart. But really, it's about breath passing between two people, like they're in a shared space Mm -hmm. and she's taking in the breath of the other person that's Mm -hmm. in the room with her, that she's so close, and it's a very intimate sense to that of shared airspace. Mm Mm-hmm. As we all run around with well, masks.
0: Especially during the
1: age of COVID, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, this is kind of pre-COVID. This is oh, even it's very pre-COVID. But interestingly enough, it was in the Swine 09 era, so Oh hmm. gosh. Another Sorry.
0: Swine 09 reference.
1: Yeah. Great song.
0: It is. It's so pretty. My favorite part of this song is gone are the days of begging, the days of theft. No more gasping for her breath. But when she performs that line, she gasps. She literally gasps when she says the word gasping. No more gasping. There is so much emotion in her performances. The fact that she literally gasps when she says that line, it just gets me. Every time it gets me right in the heart
1: That line you referenced Gone are the days of begging for a breath She's using the shared breath As the representation of the relationship In the song Mm -hmm. And so when she says things like I was gasping before Because there wasn't anybody there providing me that air Mm -hmm. Is a really interesting metaphor And and so the writing on this is also Really well done And then musically it's kind of fun and plunky
0: So lungs are referenced multiple times on this album But this is theoretically the, the title track Right, that The album is called Lungs and I just wanted to mention that so many different versions of this album have been released. So the version we're reviewing was the original release 13 tracks on it. The version that's on Spotify has a disc two with five additional tracks on it that we're not going to review. Then there was a deluxe edition that had even more tracks on it. And then there was a re-release called Between Two Lungs and then there was a deluxe edition of that. So if you love this album, there are multiple versions to choose from. From. And I just wanted to lay all that out in case someone's looking for the version we reviewed. But the one on Spotify that we'll link in the show notes, disc one, quote unquote, is accurate to what we're reviewing. Okay. But disc two has five additional songs okay. on it that we're not going to talk about. Although I, w- I might play a clip from one of them just because I want you to hear it because it's now my favorite song by
1: Florence and the Machine. Maybe we'll do that and review the water.
0: <laughs> okay. A bonus track and a bonus <laughs> beer of the well water. <laughs> Here's well
1: Cypress and Grove. That's, That's pretty so funny. Alright, the next track is track number nine and it's called Cosmic Love
2: A falling star Fell from your heart And landed in my eyes And I screamed <laughs> aloud As it tore through the midnight It's laughing
1: this song very complicated i feel like it's about a, the emotional turmoil in the aftermath of a relationship ending and i'm not sure it didn't end with a death because there's lines in here that make me think that and in the dark i can hear your heartbeat i tried to find the sound but then it stopped and i was in the darkness so darkness i became and then later on she talks about being able to join him in the darkness
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so i don't think it was that he just laughed She wouldn't be trying to get back to him If he had just walked out Right Necessarily I just feel like Somebody Mm -hmm. died And sent her into this profound darkness Yeah And that the only way She was going to be able to rejoin him Was to be in that same darkness Yeah And then there's of course Cosmic love There's a lot of references in this one To space And Mm -hmm. stars And moon And Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff Is kind of the theme She's chosen to write that around So it's almost like To tell the story, she's come up with some sort of metaphoric theme, and she's kind of written around that. Yeah. Probably the bottom half of the album for me, I didn't really rank all the songs, but this would be in the bottom half, even though I find the writing to be very interesting.
0: I think this song is poorly placed on the album. This, to me, feels like a closing track, to the point where (laughs) when I hear this song, and then there's four tracks after it, it's not that those tracks feel like an afterthought, but... I feel that the album has come to its natural conclusion, and the other four tracks are just there. And I love, well, one of my least favorites in the last four tracks, but three of the four tracks I love, and I think they would be better placed before this song. I think this song should be the closing track on the album. Okay.
1: I do feel like the actual closing track that we're going to talk about ends the album well
0: well, we're going to get to this, but I think this should replace the last track. You I think don't the think... last
1: track should be on the album.
0: I don't think the last track should
1: be on the album. Huh. That's interesting. All right. I think before we finish up the last, uh... Four songs on the album, right? We have four of them Uh, We should rate this fabulous Lost in Oz Which is a New England high PA I have nothing but good things to say about it And I'm going to give it a four and a quarter
0: That's a very high rating I also really enjoy it very much I'm going to give it a 3.75 Which is, again, on the high end for this style of beer For you For me, yes. I'm getting a distinct flavor of passion fruit without any sourness whatsoever, which is something I've never really experienced before in a beer. Normally if something has passion fruit, that means it's going to be tart and or sour. And the passion fruit flavor is going to come through the sourness. Now this is passion fruity without being sour at all. It's very sweet, very smooth, very juicy, soft mouthfeel.
1: Oh, some would say pillowy.
0: (laughs) Pillowy, bouncy, round. And I'm going to
1: give it a 3.75. Very good. So three winners so far. Now we're moving on to the last item. And by the way, we chose the four beers and the uh, bartender lined them up in this particular order. I was a little worried about the IPAs being in the two and three slot, and the more traditional West Coast was in the two slot, and I thought, oh, that's going to burn my mouth out. I'm not worried about it anymore. Based on the last two IPAs and what they tasted like, I think this order is fine. Mm -hmm. But if you were going to put a West Coast IPA on a flight, most often than not, you're going to want that in the last slot, right? Because it's going to be the most powerful flavor you have on the flight. Right. But what we're going to go to now, though, is a porter. So... I'm interested to see if this has a stronger flavor than the previous two things we had. So the name of the beer is Tall Pine. It is classified as a porter. This is an American porter, specifically. Porters are multi-dark beer with a complex and flavorful dark malt character. Dark malt intensity and flavor can vary significantly. It may or may not have a strong hop character, and it may or may not have significant fermentation byproducts that may seem to have an American or British character.
0: And cyber and Grove's description of this is whole body. Roast you finish. Short,
1: sure sure short, and to
0: the point. Did so it have an ampersand in between the
1: two? Did it say no. full body ampersand?
0: <laughs> no, it was just a comma this time. Cypress, comma, wow. Grove. <laughs> oh, which by the way, the reason this is called Cypress and Grove is because the original two cross streets were Cypress and Grove. Okay. Now they have numbers because Gainesville is a grid system so everything has a number. But the original street names were
1: Cypress and Grove. That's very good. Cool. And it
0: sounds great. I mean Cypress and Grove is very North Florida, you know.
1: So this is another great addition in the category. It is very full bodied. It is very roasty, but it is smooth. It's got a little slight, slight sweetness to it. So this is another good one.
0: I agree with you, porters tend to have some sweetness to them. I don't find this one particularly sweet. No,
1: no, it's not. It's subtle.
0: It's Certainly, roasty, malty, and very thin. I'm not going to get bloated from this beer. No. It's, when you
1: hold it up to the light, you can see through it. You it's can a, see through a it. super, super, super dark brown. Yeah. But you can see light coming through the glass. You can't install.
0: Again, like you said, it's a pretty standard porter that they have done very well.
1: Right. Back to the album. I think we're going to move on. We have four tracks left to do. Right. And uh, so, track number 10 is called My Boy Builds Coffins.
2: is a chase. He can't carve a whistle cause he just doesn't care. My was coffins for the and
1: So this is the song you were talking about earlier where she's in this relationship with a guy who builds coffins. So the theme in this is woodworking. She uses a lot of things that he doesn't build to kind of run through the (laughs) list of things you could make with wood. Yeah. She's come up with this concept and she's looking for the words to round out the lyrics. I kept reading the lyrics and trying to figure out if a coffin was a metaphor for something. Is he really building physical coffins or is he building some sort of metaphorical coffin? Like, does he build dead relationships? Does he build, you know, that kind of thing? Because she's that weird line of he's built one for him and he's built one for me why would he build physical coffins in advance Eh, well unless he doesn't
0: trust anyone else to do it this was a contender for my top three okay just because i find these lyrics very cheeky they're almost ironic it's the only song on the album where I feel like there's no metaphor it's very straightforward oh and she's easier to understand in this song than most of the others I could hear every word in this song there's no rumor thief in this song I know exactly what she's saying and it's funny to me that she breaks the fourth wall in this song she says he's made one for himself one for me too one of these days He'll make one for you. Who is she talking to? Right. She's talking to the person listening to the song. Right. The lyrics are dark, but they're ironic. They're funny. They're tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. The music is pretty. This was a contender for me because it's unique on the album.
1: I think I was looking for the metaphor in it because all the other ones have a metaphor in it. Yeah. So I kept reading them and looking at it. What is this metaphorical coffin of which she speaks? You know, when you said, oh, she breaks the fourth wall to talk to you and I as the Uh listeners of the song, you know, he's going to build you a coffin too. Uh That's a good interpretation. When I was going through the exercise of saying, well, what if the coffin was a dead relationship? Uh Oh, yeah. So he built a coffin for himself and me because he ended that relationship. And maybe she's talking to his current... lover and he's like in one of these days he's going to build one for you. So when I was digging deep and trying to find metaphor yeah you could take this on face value it's just she's in love with a coffin maker.
0: That's not to say that the lyrics aren't meaningful I've switched jobs recently I now work with gynecologists and obstetricians. There's something about wanting to be present at the beginning of someone's life being an OB right delivering babies and there's something about wanting to be at the end of a person's life building coffins. So it's not to say that there's not something to that. It's a meaningful statement about a person that they're choosing to devote their life to building coffins and maybe they have all these woodworking skills but they're not gonna make anything else they're just gonna make coffins i just don't necessarily think there's any metaphor in it
1: i'm not sure there is but i certainly went hunting because and maybe the joke was on me maybe (laughs) there's nothing there and we made you do all that work for nothing dude this is pops on hops where no one is safe Even the artists pick on me sometimes.
0: Well, yeah. I think you kind of did that to yourself, actually. <laughs> I don't think it was Florence's fault.
1: Like, I don't have enough work to do. I'm, I'm like, spend an <laughs> extra time on this song to what figure out.
0: What is this metaphor?
1: The coffin. <laughs> what is this about? <laughs> All right. Moving on to the next track, which is track 11. And it's called Hurricane Drunk.
2: No walls can keep me protected, no sleep, nothing in between me and the rain, and you can't save me now, I'm in the grip of a hurricane, I'm gonna blow myself away, I'm gone!
1: A fairly short clip but i got the shift in gears in there which i really mm-hmm. wanted to focus on and this is another one we just had a conversation about the metaphorical coffin i was looking for what is this metaphorical hurricane of which she speaks you know she says i'm in the group of a hurricane we live in florida so we know exactly what that means right. from a weather standpoint right but when she goes on to talk about being out seeing her previous lover with someone else yeah I feel like that's the hurricane. Yeah. And so every time she's talking about the hurricane, she's talking about this chaos in her life, this swirling chaos in her life in the aftermath of this relationship that ended. Mm -hmm. And then she's got this weird line in here about, I'm going to blow myself away. I'm in the grip of a hurricane. I'm going to blow myself away. Is that a death reference or a suicidal reference? You know, I'm going to blow myself away. I just thought that was interesting to say that in the first person. So I wasn't sure what to make of that in the context of the song, but this is my second favorite song on the album. I like this song very much.
0: Well, she does say she's going to drink herself to death, so I think the, exactly. I think the suicide angle is well taken. But I think
1: I and think it's a it hurricane, just means can I just say it's a hurricane drunk is the title of the yeah. song, and so that drinking yourself to death in the aftermath of the relationship ending, which I'm right. I'm assuming which is, is what hurricane. we're calling the hurricane, is that her hurricane drunk is the drinking in the aftermath of this the ended relationship.
0: Right. I don't know. I think the blowing away thing might just be a fresh start. I mean, if the... The hurricane picks her up and transports her to a new location. I guess in Wizard of Oz, it was a tornado. But going back to Wizard of Oz, she's picked up by a storm. She's dropped off in a new location. She's getting a fresh start.
1: You could even say she's lost in Oz.
0: You can even say she's lost in Oz. Yeah, I like this song very much. To me, it's very funny because I've always thought of her as this fairy queen. Like, she's not of this earth. And a lot of her songs feel like they're not of this earth. And then in this song, she's very literally talking about going to a bar. Drinking, seeing her lover with another person, like very mundane things that we all do. And it seems out of place because I don't think of her as a mundane person who goes to bars. I think of her as an otherworldly, fantastical
1: being. Well, in the other songs, there's a timelessness about it. Like the song about the coffin maker, that's traditionally like Old West motif. So it's almost like, oh, that's a hundred years ago that the guy handmade coffins out or of wood. Earlier. So there's a timelessness about that when you slap yourself down in a bar to drink during a hurricane. I did that last year.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Like it doesn't feel like that's something that this mystical creature should be doing and She's singing like, about
1: flow in in the big yellow dress yes, in the middle of exactly. the hurricane and say Give me a shot of scotch.
0: Right. Like, I can't envision her, like, putting on jeans and walking into a bar. Right. (laughs) Despite that, I do very much enjoy this song. And that doesn't take away from my appreciation of the song. It's just funny to me that she's a human being. It's just so strange to be confronted with that. It's so silly, but I do love the song.
1: So that takes us up to track 12. Track 12 probably is the most body references in a song of any song on the album, and that's the aptly titled Blinding. Seems- So even in the clip I played, there's seven anatomical references we counting, in there. Right? We were counting as we <laughs> went. Right, fists, feet, eyelids, skull, spine, ribs, and body. Uh-huh. Later on, we get Bones and Eyes just to round out uh-huh. the top nine. Again, I think that's a cool theme to drag through an album that you've called Lungs. This is our bottom half of the album for me. This is, I mean, I like the song. I like the concept of the song. I like what it represents lyrically. It is a little slower pace than some of the other ones. And when it builds, it builds louder, but not faster. So some of the other songs yes. shift gears, which I find interesting. This one stays at about this tempo. There's a crescendo to it, but it's a volume crescendo or a layer of instruments crescendo. That's probably why I put it in the bottom half for me.
0: Yeah, this was a contender for my least favorite as well. As we were counting, she's listing out those body parts on the downbeats, right? Started in my fists. And my feet And my in my eye uh, uh, Like right. it's on every beat She sang a new body part It was fun We were watching Each yes. other count It was cool And
1: it's a pulse again It's, it, a pulse. It, it's that pulsing exactly. rhythm to it She's accentuating that On the downbeat You're getting Clearly a pulse yeah. As she does that It has to be Obviously intentional To do that mm-hmm. Throughout so many songs Thematically
0: In that song I love the contrast Of strong driving drums And then sort of The plinky keyboards It's a very cool yeah. Contrast, we've got strong, strong percussion and then a light keyboard going on. It's very cool. A lot of
1: interesting musical choices on this album. Somebody, I read one of the reviews, said there's enough emotion and musicality put in this. It's like a Broadway show.
0: Yeah, well, well that was what I was saying, right? It, it very much is kind of soundtracky, but it's a soundtrack to a movie you could never make. <laughs> it's just a soundtrack that sort of has to live in your head. I feel a lot of the images that go along with these sounds are just flashes of color, flashes of of light, and not an image. The thing I can best compare it to is Fantasia and Fantasia 2000. I mean, they took a song, and I mean, a lot of those are concrete images, right? Dancing Hippos, (laughs) Whales in the Arctic, Mickey with a bucket and a mop but they took a song and they animated just kind of what they heard, right? There wasn't a story in mind necessarily with some of them. They were just creating images based on the sounds themselves. And even though none of those songs had lyrics, I feel you could do the same with this album. If you just put into visuals what you heard in the sounds, it would be very oh, interesting. Interesting.
1: I think that would be harder with an album that has lyrics. But
0: that's sort of what is in my head for what you would have to do for this album yeah maybe focus on the vibes and the soundscape and put your images to that instead of focusing on a story
1: i like the idea that somebody listened to this album and thought there's enough in her emotional performance of her vocals that it felt like a broadway musical yeah Shifts within the song You'll see that a lot In musicals right Because you're trying To advance a story In a musical it Doesn't have to be Traditional songwriting Right Yeah So maybe someday We'll see Lungs The Broadway musical
0: The Florence story <laughs> Lungs The
1: Florence Lungs, Lungs. Lungs Colon
0: The Florence oh Welch story
1: you, you know if you put A colon on it You haven't thought Well of yourself
0: Well I don't know I thought Beautiful A Carol King musical Beautiful colon A Carol King musical and but it was- why wouldn't You
1: just call it Beautiful and let people Figure out it's a Carol King musical
0: Sometimes you need to give a little more context.
1: Well, when you see Jersey Boys, it doesn't say, you know, a Four Seasons musical. Everybody eventually figured out that it was about the Four Seasons. You don't have to telegraph it. Assume your audience is smart enough to figure it out. Who am I quoting there, young lady? You're quoting me. Yeah. (laughs) This is Pops on Hops, where Where no no one one is safe. safe. Watch your back. (laughs) All right. Sleep with one eye open <laughs> <laughs> Yes Do that But you have both eyes So We're going to move on To track 13 The last track on the album This is a cover song It's not an original song And that's the song You've Got the Love
2: Sometimes I feel like Throw my hands up in the air I know I can count on you Sometimes I feel like saying Lord I just don't care But you've got the love I need to see me through Sometimes it seems the going is just too rough, and things
1: was the fifth single from the album, by the way. It is a cover song, as I mentioned before. The original version was from a band called The Source. Traditional harp on full display in this song. Yeah. Strumming kind of harp on that. So one of the few times that it really sounds like you and I would think of harp music yeah. in that particular song. Probably the most upbeat sounding song. I do have an interpretation of the lyrics. I think you mentioned God in a previous song and I didn't get that from that song, but I definitely do from this song. I think this is sort of about a relationship with God, not a relationship with a human being. So there's a line on here. When food is gone, you are my daily meal. When friends are gone, I know my Savior's love is real. And so I felt this was more about a relationship with a deity, as you mentioned earlier, than it was about a person. I knew this song. I'd heard this song on the radio too. This one got a lot of airplay and I feel like it's because it's very consistent It's written like a pop song. It doesn't shift gears a lot. It's a powerful song, don't get me wrong, but it's a very traditional structure. This is probably in the middle of the pack for me, this particular song. But I've been doing the math, and I have a feeling you have an announcement to make about this song.
0: This is my least favorite song on the Yeah,
1: it's amazing to me.
0: I don't think it belongs here. I mean, before we got here, I didn't know it was a cover. But it makes sense. It doesn't fit in with the rest of the songs. Like you said, it's very much written like a pop song. The chorus is repetitive, but unlike Howell, she doesn't really change the way she sings.
1: It's like an anthem
0: well it's like a hymn really yeah i mean you're you're,
1: a good point your point
0: about your point about it being about god is well taken i too picked up on the line when food is gone you are my daily meal because it's very much like give us this day our daily bread right which is a line from the our father who art in heaven prayer i don't even know what's that called it's called our father right? it's called the our father (laughs) yeah so i really don't care for this song compared to the other lyrics many of which are heavily metaphorical. These are very shallow lyrics, and I just don't really care for this. I think this would be much better replaced in the closing slot by Cosmic Love. Move Cosmic Love to this spot. Take out You've Got the Love, and it's a perfect album in my opinion.
1: All right. So that wraps up the album.
0: Yeah. Correct? That wraps up the album.
1: We're not doing the extended five songs, right? Because I feel like we've been here forever.
0: Well, I do want to play one of the songs on quote-unquote disc 2 okay. on Spotify. But let's rate this beer. And let's then- pour ourselves a cup of spring water. Yes. And let's come back and listen to So, it. Porter. Porter. Tall Pine Porter. I'll say what I said before. As a Porter goes, it's basic, it's standard, and it's done extremely well.
1: Yeah, it's a good one. Good representation of the category. Yes, it hasn't changed much since we've been talking about the songs while we've been sipping on it. So I'm going to give it a 3.75.
0: I'm also yeah. going to give it a 3.75. Wow. Been very, very consistent today.
1: Yeah. I like the fact that you gave the IPAs a little higher rating than you tend to do. They
0: were both really good IPAs.
1: So, just a couple of final thoughts on him. I was delightfully surprised by it. I enjoyed this very much. Musically, I found it very interesting and very unique. And I find her voice to be incredibly interesting, regardless of how she's singing, whether it's soft or loud. I'm glad I went back and explored this album again.
0: Yeah, this might have been the first album where not a single one. One of our choices. Top three and bottom one. Not a single one matched up.
1: Yeah, we didn't have a match on this at all. Not a single
0: match. But I think that speaks to...
1: The complexity of the album. The
0: complexity, the uniqueness, and the variety that she sort of achieves in these songs.
1: Anyway, really enjoy the album. Glad that I got to have a chance to do it. But-
0: We've never done this before, but we have a bonus track today. We are going to be reviewing Well Water from Cypress and Grove and One More Florence and the Machine song that is on the quote-unquote Disc 2 on Spotify. So uh, let's start with a sip of well water.
1: All right, so we're sipping the actual well water that used to be used to make ice?
0: Yes. We will put a picture on our website of the well in the building. It's in its own little room. And a picture of the steel keg that this came out of.
1: It's got an earthy quality to it. Do you
0: think that? I do. Mm. Crisp, clean.
1: (laughs) It's... Crystal clear, not hazy at all.
0: But you know what? That's some tasty water.
1: It is. So historically, in North Florida, water tends to be very hard. Has a lot of minerals in it. Part of that is because so much of North Florida is built on limestone, limestone. and a lot of the water, things like Crystal River, are crystal clear rivers right. because it all percolates up through this limestone system.
0: Yeah, that's why we have so many sinkholes
1: too. That's why As we have a lot happens. of sinkholes. That's right. It runs through there in such force that over time it erodes the structure and things fall in now as a result i can tell you a medical story real quick when i was in medical school here we knew that folks from the panhandle where a lot of this uh, water is harder had a higher incidence of kidney stones
0: oh wow because of the, because there were of the more extra minerals, minerals in the water that so, got so, yeah crystallized yeah, yeah, yeah. Into sto- that's so
1: just a weird little side that's note neat. but i like the water very much <laughs> yeah. Well, we, Again, we can't
0: rate it yet. We have a song that isn't to. I know, but-, <laughs> but much like the
1: wine thing we did a few weeks back, I don't know where to start because I don't have anything to compare it to.
0: I'm inclined to give this a high rating, but I will ponder this while we listen to our All bonus right, track. So let's
1: listen to the bonus track. We'll
0: reiterate, on Spotify, Lungs is sort of an extended edition. There's 19 tracks on Spotify under the album Lungs. Six of them are on quote-unquote disc two. So when I listened to this album on Spotify, I tried my best to... To only listen to what we would actually be listening to but sometimes things play on and I got to listen to these last six tracks and I discovered my new favorite Florence and the Machine song which is this bonus track oh, that wow. did not appear on the original album and it is called Swimming. I'm gonna play the full song for you dad but our listeners will get a little clip of it okay. and then we'll come back and rate this okay. So Here is Swimming by Florence and the Machine.
1: Oh, very interesting It sounds like it would fit Very nicely on the original album I would make the case If you took the One Eye song Out and put that in I'd be a happier man Honestly <laughs> It's cool
0: because There's really no Ebbs and flows to that one It's kind of hard Rocking from start
1: to finish Yeah but the rhythm section giving you a pulse Yes But I kept listening For like waves Thinking oh she's singing About the ocean There'll be musical waves There really wasn't Any musical waves You're right It just drives through yeah, The whole way through yeah. And different strings I didn't hear the harp But I heard what sounds like Violins yeah, or some other I- orchestra Love that song. violin in so. there. I
0: think that violin's gorgeous, and I think the lyrics are kind of funny and meta. Your songs remind me of swimming. I tried to remember the chorus, I couldn't remember the verse, and more stuff about drowning, death, darkness, water. I think it's such a fun song.
1: Great addition to the canon. <laughs> I'm gonna rate this water.
0: Okay, great. I guess are we rating on five points and carnivore? Well, the flavor profile
1: is pretty pretty lean. <laughs> uh, it, uh, I'm gonna go with a four and a half. Yeah, because I need room for improvement if I find anything better. But that's a pretty good entry in the category of water.
0: Yeah, there's definitely waters that taste disgusting. I would enter Dasani as an example of that. Yeah, that's true. Um, And there's waters that taste delicious. Like my personal favorite water is Fuji water. And this, it's towards the higher end, but I I don't think it's quite as good as Fuji. So I, too, am going to give it a 4.5. Perfect. And well done, Cypress and Grove. A very nice well that you're drawing from. Glad this is available to your patrons. Is that technically (laughs) untapped?
1: Untapped water? Oh, oh.
0: Untapped. I guess we tapped it when we drank it. Well, that's it for our first bonus track. Hopefully we'll get to do more of these because <laughs> it was kind of fun.
1: We did our first untapped water bonus. Unsprung? Unsprung. I feel like we should let's, start that app. Let's ad. found it. Let's found unsprung and then unsprung. we'll rate bottled waters.
0: Or tap waters in different cities. Oh, yeah.
1: I think you're onto something. Unsprung. We're the founders download our app now <laughs> <laughs> so up next for you for my album collection I'm still in Gainesville I'm yes, gonna, you are. And I'm currently <laughs> in Gainesville. What goes around comes around. right? This is an album I discovered when I lived here in 1988, and it's going to complete my Australian trilogy.
0: Your Australian trilogy? Yeah, my okay. first
1: pick was Men at Work. Yes. My second pick was In, in Excess. Excess. And yeah. my third pick is Midnight Oil, and the album I want you to listen to is Diesel and Dust.
0: Oh, okay. Midnight Oil. You know, Swamp Head has a beer called Midnight Oil. It's unfortunate we are not recording this next one at Swamp Head.
1: Yeah, well, true. We've already <laughs> been to Swamp We have
0: already been to Swamp
1: So, anyway, I've been playing it recently as I was prepping to give it to you. I love this album. I think you're going to have a lot of fun with this one. It's a very political album. Okay. But Australian politics. Yeah, sure, which, which is, I'm
0: very not familiar with.
1: That's part of the story I'm going share with you is how confused I was when I realized oh, cool. it, wasn't, it was about Australian politics and not American politics. So midnight oil, diesel, and dust. Okay. I think that's it. I think I'm done with You're Australian artists.
0: You're done with Australian artists. I think that's pretty much <laughs> all of them. Well, I'm excited to listen. You can find us on all social media platforms Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube at Pops on Hops Pod, or you can email us at popsonhopspod at gmail.com. Wherever you're listening to this, there should be a link in the show notes to leave us a voice message if that's something that interests you, or you can visit our very cool website at popsonhopspod.com, where we have bonus photos, videos, other bonus materials relevant to our bi weekly episodes, as well as the link to submit an album to the Jukebox for a chance to appear on the podcast. And on behalf of Hops
1: and Pops, we'll see
0: you next time.
1: There is no way I'm going to attempt to sing a Florence and the Machine song.
0: Honestly, that's probably for the best. So I'm going to say bye.
1: I put negative one in the car. That's
0: so strange. First listen. Do you mean you were writing while driving?
1: Yeah, I had the paper there and I put a a star.
0: Don't do that. Keep your eyes on the road. Keep your filthy eyes out of your notes.
1: Drive with one eye. (laughs) No, don't
0: drive with one eye. That's what I was doing.